This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Jeez, dude, you need to change your blinker fluid. That's not a thing. And your thoracic couplet is totally shot. Really? It is. Look, nothing gets by me. Just like this oil filter. Nothing gets by Purolator. Hey, if you're using Purolator Boss, you know your stuff. Oh, yeah. Protection up to 15,000 miles. Ooh, but you really should replace your Vesuvius valve. Stop talking. Purolator oil, air, and cabin air filters. Nothing gets by us. Available at Advance Auto Parts, Pep Boys, and other fine retailers. Welcome, everybody, to a second edition of Walk on Wisconsin, a Bucky's Fifth Quarter production. This is Jay Kokorowski. We got my co-author, assistant coach at Brookfield Center Central, and former Wisconsin Badgers walk-on tight end. We got Joel Nellis here. Happy Wednesday. Hope you guys are enjoying the week and the nice weather while it lasts before the cold weekend and before the number six Wisconsin Badgers Head to Purdue to West Lafayette to take on the Purdue Boilermakers, who are very much struggling and head coachless, really. So uh, <laughs> before we get into that, <laughs> uh, and we got you know we have Joel here coming up. We're gonna play some interviews from Connor Udelhoven, the long snapper, a former walk-on himself, who's now long snapped since 2013, his redshirt freshman year, following in the steps of one Matt Catula, as Joel would know. Uh, very well uh, from his playing days. Uh, we'll also, uh, it, probably in the next 15 minutes or so, talk with Bobby Adamoff, former was it, strong safety, former outside linebacker for the Wisconsin Badgers, a Rose Bowl winner, team captain for the 1998 squad that won the 1999 Rose Bowl. So we'll talk to him about what he sees out of this year's team, his story, along with, obviously, a big game was that 1998 Purdue uh, Purdue outing where Drew Brees threw eight, over 80 passes and a uh, Jamal Fletcher pick six sealed the win for Wisconsin on way to Pasadena. So, Joel, how you doing? And how, you know, uh, you're talking about, you know, it's, it's been, uh, I mean, you were in town. We were, you know, we had a book signing this past week. Uh, weekend, I should say, on Saturday, and uh, you know, big thanks to everyone that came out. And you know, it's always fun seeing people. And I mean, you're you know, you're popular. You're popular here, obviously, with your former students coming to say hi and everything. It's just it was great seeing everyone and in you know getting to know everyone. And I mean, people that we talked to. I think you and I talked probably for gosh five or ten minutes with with certain pe- you know fans. And uh, it was a great opportunity. You know, and and big thanks to the University Bookstore for allowing us to do that. Yeah, it's a fun thing when, when you get to come out and people get to say hello, and uh, some people have no idea what you're doing, and uh, you do a great job of wrangling them in to tell them about what's happening. But uh, I think to see, you know, people, oh, yeah, I've heard about that on, on social media. I've seen that on Twitter or whatnot. And uh, you were lucky enough to meet one of your loyal followers, right? 
And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that was really cool. Um, it's just fun when you, you, know, you get to sit down and talk to people that really appreciate Badger football. So, yeah, it was an exciting event. And, again, thanks to the UW Bookstore for opening up their doors. Our, guy, our man, Dwayne, uh, is always a good chat. And, uh, yeah, we're excited to maybe go back there again, maybe for graduation weekend. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But I was just uh, excited to see a, a win that we didn't really have to be all that concerned about heading into, well, almost the, the second half, really. Um, you know, it felt, felt good to see that W kind of get settled pretty early in the game there. Yeah, and in that, I mean, 21 first half, first quarter points, not just first half points, first quarter points uh, on right. way to 31 to three halftime lead. The final score, 48 to three. Wisconsin with their homecoming win, a demonstrative, a dominating win against the Fighting Illini that are still rebuilding underneath the guise and leadership of one Lovey Smith. And, you know, we, we start this off, and for those that are listening for the first time, we'll recap quickly some of the walk-ons that contributed. This is Walk-On Wisconsin, where we will focus in on the walk-on tradition at Wisconsin and who's making plays. Uh, you guys wonder why, uh, and just as a re- quick recap of this, Joel and I wrote a book called Walk On This Way, the ongoing tradition, uh, yeah, the ongoing tradition, no, the ongoing legacy of the Wisconsin football walk-on tradition. You guys can find it at kcisports.com, find it at uh, hopefully some Barnes & Nobles coming up, University Bookstore locations, and Bucky's Locker Room, uh, and, you know, it's a great book. We hope you guys read it. This is why we're doing part of the podcast, uh, you know, this podcast, in essence, uh, to help spread the word and, and show uh, each week now, as we'll go into this Illinois game, how much the Wisconsin walk-on tradition means to this team, which has become one of the pillars of its success and what Barry Alvarez told us as the edge of this program or one of the edges that gives this program such success. So uh, looking at that, and you know, let's, let's look at the offensive side of the ball first, Joel. Dari Agumbawale, Team captain, we've talked about him before, had 120 yards against Nebraska on 11 carries, comes back at Camp Randall, 103 yards on only seven carries. It's almost 15 yards per touch uh, for him, for the senior out of Milwaukee Marquette. And he's forming a really nice just duo or even a trio now. You're seeing Bradrick Shaw, the redshirt freshman from Hoover, Alabama, former four-star talent, making head, headwinds now, making finding carries. I think it's now – he had 19 carries this week or this past week, 11 against uh, Northwestern. But, you know, Corey Clement, 123 yards. Ugumbawali is that nice change of pace back. You, you hear about that a lot. But out of that 11 personnel, the draws, the, the stretch draw, if you want to call it that, with the lineman pulling, uh, he they found success with him running the ball – and a lot of people thought that he'd be the one catching the ball out of the backfield more, but he's being utilized more as a, as a runner this year. Yeah. And you're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, watching them a little bit, right. You said the outside stretch plays, um, you know, limited cuts, trying to get them in space, which is kind of interesting when you think about, you know, Corey Clement being obviously very physical, but has a ton of burst as well. So it's not like, you know, it's interesting when you say change of pace, because it's not like either of them aren't fast. Um, right. but it's just something different that maybe people are alluding to or concerned about. You know, you'll see some things where the safeties will roll down the box because now they're anticipating an outside stretch play out of 11 personnel, but 
Um, it doesn't seem to matter much, and he does a good job of finding the crease, and you know can obviously take it take it a lot of yards uh, past the past the box. So um, yeah, he's he's a dynamic athlete, and like you said, they're forming a good mix, and and obviously they don't really probably all care how many carries they all get, as long as there's a W coming up on the other side. So. Uh, during next week's player availability, I may have to ask Dare. I got a turkey bowl possibly on Thanksgiving at my old alma mater at Greenfield. I may have to ask him how to use that first move. That first, he always has that first cut step, and if I can somehow use that against my former high school mates, I'm not. I'm, I am not in shape. But if I could just get one move without like tearing a knee, I think that'll help uh, if I do participate. Uh, so we'll have to see if he can give me some pointers on that. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you have Ryan Connolly, inside linebacker, again, stepping in for another former walk-on in Jack Stitchy, leads the team in tackles with six, has uh, his first career interception, also 1.5 tackles for loss. Another solid, solid outing for Connolly, and, you know, I think you and I talked about it before, Joel, right? Uh, he's the glue kind of the glue uh, in terms of that, in terms of just filling in where he needs to, and he's making an impact. It, it's quite impressive to see what, you know, the, the Minnesota natives done. I'm just really excited that he got a pick because I think that kind of puts him on the map, you know, tackles just a big tackle game. Somehow it doesn't seem to draw enough attention. So I was really hoping he would have scored because I think that would have really uh, propelled him forward in terms of, Maybe not a national scene, but certainly the Big Ten scene. And you have to believe that, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about the media coverage. It's about the respect he gets when the coaches turn on the film. And it's probably evident from, from that he is uh, he's a Big Ten linebacker. And he's going to be all over the place making the same plays. And just like you said, another example of a guy just stepping up when his opportunity came and making the most of it. Absolutely. Running out special teams, obviously P.J. Rosalski doing his thing. Looking at with him uh, out of his touchbacks, uh, he had he kicked nine times, uh, which obviously with so many scoring opportunities and, of course, uh, the halftime, right? Uh, six touchbacks, averaging 63.2 yards per kick. A real revelation on his part. Uh, also, Andrew Endicott, after some rough outings the past three weeks against Iowa, Nebraska, Northwestern, comes back hits both field goals from 21 and 37 yards out. And then on top of that, uh, nails those extra points. Uh, and all of them were good and successful. And that was one, two, three, four, yeah, five, six extra points. So, uh, you know, you, you and I, well, you and I will both talk about this in a little bit, right? Where we'll, we'll do our, we have a little PSA we want to talk about and just kind of um, just discuss some things just with uh, Endicott's struggle struggles and now he's rebounding. Paul Chris mentioned uh, how he's rebounded nice and like his approach in the Monday press conference earlier this week, but uh, we'll get back to that a little bit later, but just real quick, nice seeing the California native getting back on track. Uh, and, and he was quite busy on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, he was. And I'm just glad like you said that, that he's back in form and not back in form, but, you know, we talked about this too. It's a guy who hadn't kicked a field goal since high school and, um, you know, really has just continued to, I think, strike the ball well um, and continue to grow in that area. And obviously he's going to come in clutch down the, down the stretch. So um, yeah, the more, the more they go through the uprights, the confidence grows and, and it's part of the psychology of, you know, being a kicker, it's not an easy task. Uh, there's a lot more to it than people think. And, 
Um, so, yeah, it was good to see him have a successful day again. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get into more on that a little bit later. Looking at this week, current rankings, they're number six in both the AP and coaches' polls. Those don't matter. What you're looking at is the college football playoff rankings. In its third week, UW did not move up. They're number seven right now. Right in front of them, Washington and Clemson, or no, not Clemson, uh, Louisville at, uh, you know, yeah, you have the Huskies at number six after their loss to USC. Uh, you have Louisville up there, Clemson still number four, Michigan still number three. So, uh, you know, and I don't know what your opinion of it is. I thought maybe they'd bump up to six, maybe in front of Washington, Joel, just due to the fact that the strength of schedule has been so daunting for Wisconsin, but what's your thoughts on them? And obviously it's still tons of time. Don't get me wrong. This is, you know, there, this is this builds up suspense and we'll get people talking obviously, which is a, a facet of why I think they, they're doing this so early in the season. But uh, regardless, we're talking about it, uh, but what were just your thoughts when you heard that they were number seven uh, in mid November? I, I never, um, I, it's hard to take stock this early, you know, it's much like the Badgers losing yesterday. Um, you know, nothing says in college football and college basketball, especially you don't have to be undefeated to win the national championship. And um, that's a hard thing to do. But to me, it's always about when you lose. Um, so I feel like the Badgers are still sitting in a pretty good spot. And, you know, it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be interesting to see. Well, obviously Michigan or Ohio State will have to lose a second time, which will be good. And then you'll have to kind of see where the chips fall because it's definitely a possibility where – you know, we may go on to the Big Ten championship game, play an opponent like Penn State, and then still be left out of the, of the big big four, depending if someone else collects another loss uh, or whatnot. So, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a mystery, um, but I'm excited where they're at. You know, I think for the, the losses that they've had, uh, the wins that they've had, the dynamic of the team, like their defense, you can count on 100%. Their offense is still – still finding their groove and I think they're going to be in a good position at the end of the year. I think they're going to like where they stand. And I think there's, you know, some things out there, some opportunities for them, but they know as good as anybody, they just got to take care of the task at hand. So not the next two wins are guaranteed. Exactly. And this team is focused, I think, and just see, hearing and talking to them, they're not taking anyone for granted. Uh, there's that outside noise that even they had a team meeting about last week uh, that Alec James told me about in their, uh, they're focused in, and that's what you want to hear, and that's what you want to see out of this team. So we'll see uh, what comes of it uh, coming up. Uh, we're going to preview the Purdue game in just a little bit. What we're going to do now, we're going to play just a couple minutes of our two-part interview with long snapper Connor Udelhoven, uh current Wisconsin long snapper, talking about his story. Uh, we'll get into that in a two-part. Uh, after that, we're going to have former outside linebacker Bobby Adamoff on talking about his career and Talk about Purdue, that great 1998 game that really, uh, you know, was impressive and in, in, in talking about just how much offense there was. Uh, we'll talk with Bobby about his experience playing in that game, uh, along with just his great career and his great story. So here's Connor Udelhoven here on Walk On Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, we're here on Bucky's fifth quarter with Connor Udelhoven, long snapper for the Wisconsin Badgers. And uh, is it crazy that, honestly, well, ten games in, two games up in the regular season, just uh, it's crazy how time flew. Yeah, game. absolutely. I mean, you guys, you look at when you came back after the bowl game after winter break last year, and you're looking up at the clock. We had countdown I think till fall camp, and that was 
200 and some days, and you're looking at that, and you're like, geez, when's, when's fall camp going to come? When, when are the games starting? And now that we got into them, finally, like you said, we're in our, I guess, 11th game now, and it's it's just absolutely flew by. And it's when you're in the season, I guess, you know, the kind of as I always I always think a lot of people say but it's really true you know the days sometimes can be long but the, the weeks and months are real short yeah, and you, know, you guys are heading to Purdue this weekend uh, and but you know there might be some yeah from what it sounds like maybe possibly some, some rainy condition uh, inclement what well, not necessarily inclement in terms of severe but sure. some crummy conditions as a long snapper how do you approach that with you know let's say it's slick out there or it's maybe windy how how do those the weather and the elements really play into being a long snapper sure yeah that's i mean during the week not really something you're thinking about you know i really just judge what the weather is going to be like the temperature if it's raining snowing whatever once i walk out on saturday and then you know you figure out it's you just for me i just it's not something to really be thinking during with during the week you just kind of figure it out once you're on the field and Really, not not too much changes. You you don't want to let the outside environment change anything you do because what we do, I guess, I'm snapping the ball eight yards or I'm snapping the ball 14 yards. So what you do really doesn't change. If it's raining, the ball gets a little slicker. You loosen up your grip a little bit, kind of just like a baseball bat. You know, you don't want to grip grip it too hard. You just kind of your hands tighten up on it. So that way, with the rain, you know, you just make that small adjustment. But mechanically, really, nothing nothing changes. What's the difference between you know, a long snap? You know, for a punt compared to a field goal PAT Yeah, time. certainly. Uh, you know, your I guess margin for error is a little smaller on the PAT just because you're aiming at a smaller spot. It's you know being at eight yards. Some people are aiming from seven to eight yards. We're at eight yards, and the punt we're at 14. So really, the biggest thing is getting your lower half involved a little bit more. Uh, with with field goals, you try to you're going to use a little bit of your legs, but not too much because if you're sliding your heels back, you're going to end up hitting the offensive lineman and. Uh, with that one, you try to always get it, you always want your snap to be the same, but you try to get the holder in the best spot where you can just put it down and the laces will be out. Then with punts, you know, the punter, it's going to be more difficult to get it every time where the punts, the laces are exactly up. So that's not much of a worry. Really, that one, you're just worried about speed and accuracy. So the biggest thing, like I said, I guess just getting the lower body involved a little bit more. Guys, that was Connor Udelhoven, long snapper for the Wisconsin Badgers here on Walk On Wisconsin. And transitioning there from a current walk on, we're really happy to have him on. We highlighted his story in Walk On This Way, the ongoing legacy of the Wisconsin football walk on tradition. We got Bobby Adamoff on. Bobby, thanks for taking some time late tonight here on the podcast. How you doing? And what are you doing nowadays? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, and congratulations on the book, guys. Uh, that did a great job of telling the stories of, of just a lot of, of great guys out there. So, I uh, I, I work in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, just joined a company uh, based out of Chicago. I live in North Carolina, so I um, travel up here pretty often, and uh, it's been a, it's been a good career since I left Madison. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, with 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 that, uh, you know, let's let's talk about. Uh, you mean you were you were up here for the uh, the LSU game up at Lambeau, and you know on that, what in your oh. opinion, I mean, what did you? How was the experience for you? Because I mean, I was I was covering the game, so obviously I was you know up in the press box and and, and just seeing feeling the energy that way. As, as a former Wisconsin player, as a former Wisconsin, you know uh, you know alum and, and team captain, just what did you see? You know coming back uh, with this team, and, and what have you seen throughout the the season with this team? Yeah, this this team is fun to watch. Um, 
you know, especially on the defensive side, which I, I tend to probably pay more attention to just because of my background, those guys look like they're having so much fun out there, which is, it's really fun to see as a defensive player. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just like the older school ball player that I am now, which kind of seems weird to say that, <laughs> but we seem like much more serious, um, you know, kind of have that scowl on your face and, and be kind of mean and kind of mad. Uh, and these guys are, you know, have big smiles on their faces and they you know, they're obviously still getting the job done. This is probably one of the best defenses that I've seen uh, Wisconsin mm. have. Um, and they're just having a great time and just doing a great job this year. It's uh, it's fun to watch. And then the Lambeau experience, um, what a great atmosphere for, for those kids. You know, I wish we'd had a, a chance to do something like that. Uh, Coach Alvarez got us to a lot of great stadiums. So I, I can't say that we didn't play in great stadiums because we did. But growing up in Sturgeon Bay, uh, having season Packer tickets, you know, just uh, seeing that atmosphere in Green Bay and knowing what the players felt, you know, coming out of that tunnel, having such a big game, LSU, that was, I guess, ranked in the top five at the time. You know know the adrenaline and you know those emotions that are, are going through and then you know, being that team in, in Lambeau Field, what a, what a great experience for them. And they, they came out to play. The coaches had them ready to go. And, uh, you know, they, they really did stick it to them, I thought. They, they played a great game. Well, uh, Bobby, we have to ask you, you know, you, uh, you had to make the tra- – you didn't have to make the transition. You were just such a gifted athlete that you had to switch from safety to outside linebacker. Um, yeah. And uh, so, now you said you watched the defense, and obviously – the safety play from the Badgers with Leo Musso and Dakota Dixon has obviously been phenomenal, but then you also have phenomenal outside linebacker play. So, so which position do you hone in on the most having obviously played both of them and maybe comment on one of the two of the guys that are maybe in either position that you really enjoy watching and what they add to the team? So I, I still consider myself to this day a strong safety. Um, that's what I went in at. And I, I guess, you know, when I was um, – when I was at Wisconsin, like other outside linebackers in the Big Ten were LeVar Arrington, and I was not that, right? So maybe a hair over six foot, um, but I just kept gaining weight. <laughs> and so I found myself at, you know, 220 pounds. It was probably the biggest strong safety in the country. Um, but I, I still want to relate as, as a strong safety. Um, but you, you, uh, you kind of know what's going on, even though it's not the exact defense that we played. So you, you do watch. Um, Musso's great um, flying around. I mean, he, he's everywhere on the field, and, and he's fun to watch. And what really strikes me with the, uh, the defense, and especially the linebackers, is the depth. Um, you know, for a couple of weeks, you'd, you'd have um, – guys continue to go down and then new guys would step up and then they just keep playing and be players of the week and tackles behind the line of scrimmage and making big plays flying around the field. The depth is, is just crazy uh, this year. And, and that's just a testament to, uh, to the coaches getting those players ready and, and really a testament to the players themselves of keeping their heads in the game and when it's time to step up. Coach Elvers used to say that all the time. Like, you don't know when your opportunity is going to come, but when it comes, you need to take advantage of it because that will be your time. And, you know, the, the players um, for Wisconsin right now are just continuing to, to take advantage of their opportunity and, and drive that team forward. 
We're here with Bobby Adamoff here on Walk On Wisconsin, here on Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And, Bobby, you know, it was funny. Just, you know, it's Purdue week, and we wanted to have you on for this because you were part of a – it's been discussed on social media. Uh, I know Zach Heilprin, our friend over at uh, The Zone uh, here in Madison, and he also writes for Land of Ten, was talking about uh, – he was going back and forth with Joel and I about just some of the amazing games. Joel was part of the, you know, 4 game with the uh, yeah, with that fumble by Kyle Orton that was returned for a touchdown. But, you know, before that, you know, six years earlier, uh, you played in an amazing game against Drew Brees, uh, one that – uh, offensively uh, was crazy, just the amount of, of yards that you saw Breeze put up. What did you What did you remember from that game? Uh, and, and just the emotions, the jump around, obviously was another big facet of it. And if I'm not mistaken, they ran, was it over 100 plays, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but it was, you know, over 100, um, which was a lot more than, you know, we'd typically be on the field for. Uh, just remember on the defense, that was when Purdue was making that transition during that period of kind of being that run-and-shoot team in, in the Big Ten, which there wasn't a whole lot of. I mean, it was stack everybody in the box and try to run each other over. And, you know, Purdue came in and they, they had some success early on uh, with that. And then when we played them, um, it was really, you know, a bend. We know that they're going to continue to take some shots, but but don't break. And, you know, because of that, I mean, they would throw off these these dump passes, a uh, couple-yard stop routes, some quick slants, some quick outs, and it just kept going on and on, you know. So maybe the corners were a little far back, and as a, uh outside linebacker or strong safety trying to get out to the flat and just tackle these guys before they would get the first down or not give up any big plays, um, and then relied on, on players to just make plays. Um, Fletch had the pick six, which was which a big one. I think it was Bobby Myers pick Drew off in the uh, in the end zone, um, and then you know on the offensive side, uh, Ron and, and Mike Samuels and, and the rest of the offense and team just kept grinding away and, and keeping the the score um, us ahead. And you know we contributed you know where we could. And we had a good defense that year, but that was definitely a team that that pushed us. And uh, it was under the lights, you know, anytime you're in Camp Randall and, and it's a night game, it's, it's a special occasion. Um, you know, our, our fans do a great job of uh, keeping the, uh, the energy high, uh, especially for a night game after they've had all day to, uh, to get ready for the game. Um, and the jump around, you know, I remember being on the field and it, and it happened, right. And we didn't, we didn't know what it was going to become. We didn't even know it was going to happen. Um, and it was pretty cool. I I kind of thought, I was like, I hope the stands don't fall down. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it had ever seen anything like that. Um, but, you know, a couple of us were looking up in the stands and say, can you believe that? That looks pretty cool because you just see the red and white uh, moving back and forth. And now when they look back to be a part of that, you know, I think in, in some of, like, maybe it was ESPN had it, the, the number one college tradition, uh, which is pretty cool. And, and even going back even a little further with Ryan Sondrup, you know, asking a couple of us, we were out one night, and um, he, had, uh, he had hurt his knee, and so he was working in the athletic department. 
and picking the songs for it. And it was just one of those like, Hey, what do you guys think of jump around? And we're like, Oh yeah, that'd be a great song to play. And, um, you know, not knowing when he was going to play it, uh, in, in the sequence of that. Um, but gosh, I, I still think of him and just sitting around that, you know, just kind of one question he asked a group of guys, Hey, what do you guys think about playing jump around during the game? They're like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, and for it to turn into to what it did. So, uh, give all the credit right there to Ryan Sondrup. That's that's pretty cool. You know, and, and real quick too, just oh by the way, real quick, sorry Joel. Like I, I got the stats. Twenty three you led the team in tackles that day with twenty three. And uh looking at that, uh like it was hundred and three plays that the Boilermakers r- ran. Eighty three were passing because uh it was a fifty five of eighty three for four hundred and ninety four yards. By Breeze, so yeah, that you had quite the hand in 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 containing that offense and, and and getting that W in Camp Randall. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that was that was a that was a fun game. Um, at twenty three tackles, that's that's a lot. <laughs> maybe I should, maybe I should have done a better job. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> maybe I was the first one to get to a guy where I should have been there sooner. <laughs> you hope you hope that's the case. Um, I'm trying to decide the last question, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna make it hard on you. Um, so, oh boy, you know, some people some people are talking about um, you know if the Badgers only make it to the Rose Bowl, it'll be a letdown, um, you know, because they wouldn't be in the top four. Um, you know, are, are Badger fans a little spoiled by the success? Have they, you know, I mean, you obviously worked your guts out to play in a Rose Bowl, and that was the biggest game, and and to me, in my mind, still is the biggest game. I was never fortunate enough to play in it, and uh, you know, is that is that fair to say? I mean, is that unfair to say in terms of how bad your fans may be feeling if they don't make it to the, the playoff system? I mean, is that is that where we've gotten to now with this playoff system, where it's, you know, it's oh, it's just another bowl game? What are your what are your opinions on that? It's fair. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the hard question, especially after you know you gave me the softball when you called me a great athlete. Um, <laughs> so I will take your, your hard question. Um, I I think it's 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 good that that outside pressure is going to happen. That chatter on the outside is going to happen. Um, you know, knowing you know, I don't know all the the individuals on the coaching staff, but I, I know about them and I know different people in the athletic department, and um, yeah, they're they're going to be a representation of the people I know. So so what I can say is. Uh, what, what's being talked about in the locker room and taking care of, of that family and taking care of that business and one game at a time. Um, I think that the chatter is good. It, it does leak into it, but it, it's also some accountability. Um, yeah. And, you know, that, that will happen. Um, now, if people start acting differently, right, because of it, yeah, then I, I think you have problems, but I think that's where good coaching and good senior leadership and even underclassmen leadership comes in. And it sounds like there was a uh, a players meeting, which, you know, um, maybe address, you know, some of that just to make sure that you know, they keep the eye on the prize. Um, this this team has an opportunity. It, it's awesome. Uh, you know, coach would always talk about what legacy are you going to leave on this program? And they they have a shot for just an unbelievable legacy that they've really laid out already. You think about um, the number of top ten teams that they've had to play in, in the games that they've won, and you know, and some of these that you know was was just uh, just short. Um, what they've done this year is is just been phenomenal. So they they have it in them. Um, you know, it's better than fans talking about you and saying, yeah, "I don't think you have a shot." 
right? So if right. people are saying yep. that, you know, that, that's a good thing that they're saying that about the team. I don't think it affects what happens in a locker room. Um, you know, players stay pretty focused on, on the task at hand. Um, you know, and I think, you know, when push comes to shove in the, uh, in, I guess, the community, right, uh, people mm-hmm. taking a trip out to Pasadena, I don't think that they would consider that a letdown, um, no. you know, if that's where they ended up no. having to go. Um, but I think this team definitely has the the ability. Um, a lot of things are in their control right now to um, take Wisconsin to a level that we have never had. And so, uh, you know, I'm cheering those kids on because I, I really think they have the opportunity. And they, gosh, they just look like they have so much fun doing it. That's great to see. Yeah. And, and just to, and just to fact check Jake real quick. So that in regard to the athlete comment, I did not play in the game against Purdue. I was on the sidelines and suited up, but um, I was far from playing at that point, even in my. Well, you're still you're so. still there. You're still there. That's I was what there. I, meant. I was in uniform. <laughs> I was without a long suit shirt on, with because I was a lineman tight end, so that was on that was prohibited. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was good to be in the locker room and and on the sidelines for that. Uh, it was it was it was definitely exciting. So. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, but you know, before we let you go, Bobby, my one thing, one last thing on my end, you know, we we detail your story in the book, and you, know, you go from Southern Door, you know, you talk about, I mean, we chronicle talking about how, uh, you know, you're on a flight, you know, to, to Fargo for for the North Dakota State, uh, you get pulled back in, you you walk on at Wisconsin, uh, and, and then you have that your career where you're a captain, and you know, in three of the seasons, if I'm not mistaken, you were in the top five. Uh, for, you know, top five for tacklers. Uh, is there a part of your story that you're most particularly proud of? Is there just in terms of adver- going through adversity or, I mean, uh, it, it, the 98 team obviously being such a success and you guys uh, pulling through, is there anything, is there one particular moment that you're most proud of or, uh, you know, even a season that you're most proud of? Uh, so it's the most proud, I, I would have to say, being elected captain by the coaches and teammates. That's, been you know a big honor to me uh that was bestowed upon me so that is as far as like one particular honor um the the entire experience that was offered uh to me as as a walk-on to to be able to um have a chance right get invited to camp and then be put in a position to um be given you know an increased role to to help the team and um being a part of the lives of just some great athletes, some great friends, uh, the teammates, you know, and all these, these guys, as we go through that, you still consider your family. Um, it, that it was just a cool experience how Wisconsin, uh, under coach Alvarez's leadership embraced that, that walk on program. And, and, and it wasn't just the lip service, you know, I mean, he would give anybody a shot, uh, that could help the football team. And, um, you know, as I look back, you know, at some of the walk-ons, I'm, I'm probably different than a, a, a Jimmy Leonard or, a, a, you know, a J.J. Watt, um, Abadaris. I mean, these guys that are going in the pros, at some point you might consider these maybe just some recruiting misses to some extent. I, I didn't watch any film on them. Whereas, like, I was a little different. Like, I could have been a walk-on. Like, that that makes sense. That's not outside the, the realm. Um you know, but I never thought that I was going to not make it, you know, when I went to Wisconsin, you know, I hope I'm on the team in one year, two years, three years, like, like I'm going to play football. I just have to be a little bit different. So 
that opportunity that, that he granted was, was phenomenal. And even looking back and going through getting the education at the University of Wisconsin, um, you know, as I've moved around and, and lived around the U.S., that holds so much weight that uh, you probably don't realize as much when you live in the state of Wisconsin, but it's a great academic institution, a great program. So, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of all of it, but if you push me for, for, um, for one issue one thing, it, it'd probably be the captain and, and the Rose Bowl, you know, winning that. It was a great experience because everybody asks you um, when they hear that you played in the Rose Bowl, the, the second question is, did you win? Um, so, you know, you don't get all dressed up to lose. You know, it's kind of been my, my response to that. Um, so, yeah, we did. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, Bobby. It's been great talking with you. I hope to catch up with you down the line. Uh, maybe we'll catch you. Uh, depending on how the Wisconsin does, uh, I'll catch you hopefully maybe in Indianapolis or maybe during a college football playoff game or, or bowl game if you guys make it down there. Uh, hopefully we can catch up down the road and, and talk more. Yeah, let's do it. That sounds great. Thanks, fellas. Great job on right, the guys, Appreciate it. Thanks, Bobby. Guys, it's Bobby Adamoff, former team captain, Wisconsin Badgers, outside linebacker, strong safety still. Uh, in his heart. Uh, and uh, on that note, we're going to take uh, just play part two of our interview with Connor Udelhoven, the Wisconsin Badgers long snapper at the moment. Uh, play that for a few minutes. Come back. We'll preview Purdue. Talk uh, some more about the Wisconsin Badgers and uh, some uh, WIAA state playoffs with some current walk-on commits playing for a state's wow. title in their respective divisions. This is walk-on Wisconsin. What's the difference with different holders? You know, I guess everyone's just a little bit different with their size, but I think what our holder has done a really good job at is just making it similar for me because, you know, some guys longer, shorter arms will catch it at a different place, but through that they've been able to know where they're catching it. So all the holders have really done a good job of keeping where they're catching the ball at the same place, which has been really nice whether they need to, for them, really reach their arms out to get it or if they like catching it close to their body. All the holders have really adjusted well to – all be catching the ball in the same spot and what they feel comfortable with too. So it's really been fairly seamless with with all our holders, which is really a credit to them being able to champion their role and put me in a good spot to help them put them in a good spot too. And you know, kind of going back to your story, uh, from Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, and mm-hmm. and how did how did it you wind up at Wisconsin? Yeah, I guess I've always wanted to come here. I've been a Badger Badger fan. Just I just go to school. The first time I came here is with my cousin, who ended up coming here too. He's an athletic trainer for us, which is really cool. Um, our first game with our dads was when we were four years old. And we, uh, ever since then, I think when we were four, we looked at each other and we were like, we got to come here. And um, fortunately, I guess going into after the day after I graduated high school, we had our high school graduation ceremony and we had a lock-in. So we, we were up a little bit late and I just had a message back home from one of the coaches back back in, uh, I guess, 2012 summer it would have been. So, yeah, the day after I graduated high school, I got a call from Wisconsin. And, um, you know, I guess the rest is history. They didn't have to do too much recruiting from there. So I've always been a huge Badger fan. And I guess never in my wildest dreams I'd imagine be at this point. But it was, I guess, really cool. It was a little late in the process, but it didn't matter one bit to me. I was was all hands on deck from there. Sounds similar to Jack Stitchy with... Uh, you know, like Ryan Collin came from Minnesota as well, and obviously Joe Schobert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was even, I thought I got recruited fairly late, and then I come in with a guy like Joe who who had been, you know, I guess I would have been maybe a month earlier from when we got our physicals, a month and a half, and then I hear 
Schobert comes in, we had our physicals together, and he had been called, you know, I think eight days before that, and I'm just like, geez, man, that's absolutely incredible. So it was, I guess, really cool, and I've been fortunate to be where I am now. Yeah, and, and you know, looking ahead, I mean, talking with a bunch of specialists, you know, covering the team and, and more than that, it's, you know, they say, you know, specialists are people too, the hashtag, but uh, what have you seen, like, when it comes to just having that, you know, like, the bond between you guys? You guys, I mean, you know, we something with many throughout different generations where, but what have you seen, like, the, the bond between you guys? Yeah, just, I guess, within the group of specialists, it's such a unique spot where, I guess, it's... <laughs> It's obviously a crucial part of the game, but kind of it's not not always seen as much of a position as really everything else on the field. You know, a lot of people, I guess, explaining sometimes if they don't know the long snapper, I just kind of say it's your fourth down center sometimes. And I guess it's just a cool, tight-knit group of people because as a specialist, it's not like you're directly competing against each other. And a lot of times through that, you can really, you know, you kind of you're not you're not rooting for the whole team. But, you know, you, you can really root for the other guys to have a good game from the specialist-wise. And I think through that, just there's a lot of, I guess, different camps that we've been able to go to. I worked with or been with, with Coles in their camps. And they have one camp that gets all, I think there's over 120 of specialists from all over the country that came together. So it's really cool that we can have camps like that. And I just don't know if any other position group really gets that many people from that many different teams all in one spot. And, you know, I guess it's just, all of us kind of have the same mentality towards the game, just... And it's really cool when all of us can get together in, in a place like that. And uh, you know, how have you guys like worked with like you know Andrew Endicott? I know that you know, there are a couple of rough, rough outings, but you rebounded last week. How are you guys? I mean, what support do you guys? How do you guys give him support? You yeah, know, when you have rough times. Yeah, certainly. I mean, really, just being there for him. Um, he knows he knows what he's what what his jobs to do and what he wants to do, and and we know that he's doing his putting his best foot forward and our confidence in Andy's never wavered. We've always we've always known he can do a great job in there and he proves it day in and day out at practice. And I think something the team has really done a good job of too is really keeping him up too because I don't know if that's true with, with every team. You know, sometimes you see the kicker miss a few kicks and guys will guys will start, you know, saying this, that and this, but all of, from top to bottom, coaches, players and within the specialists, I think have really done just a great job of saying, you know, we're going to need you later. We're going to, you know, keep it going. And everyone's just kept very positive. And like I said, within within the specialist group, and I think it's really shown within the team and the comments they've had that, you know, our confidence in them has, has always been high. Last question, and on a lighter note, favorite game that you guys played as an ultimate specialist that you guys enjoy the most? <laughs> what, what, Andy, Andrew talked to us a little yeah, bit about that. Yeah, during practice, we let, or, you know, I guess maybe not always outside of practice and stuff, we like to, we like to just kind of, you know, punt, punt, snap, and kick. A lot of people do the punt, pass, and kick. You get it through the field goal. We like to add the snapping aspect to give a little love to the snappers. And also, I guess recently been big, big cricket fans will go double on the dartboard, go doubles, and play that a little bit. So that's always been fun. Keep keep the mood light in the group. Guys, yeah, that was Connor Udelhoven. Big thanks to him talking with us today uh, on Walka uh, at, at player availability. Jacob Gorowski, we had Joel Nellis here. Big thanks to also uh, Bobby Adamoff. Uh, Joel and I had a great time talking with him about his story, and you can catch his story, of course, hashtag cheap plug, walk on this way, the ongoing, yeah, ongoing legacy of the Wisconsin football walk-on tradition. Of course, in stores, KCISports.com, Bucky's Locker Room, University Bookstore locations, and uh, coming soon, I think Barnes & Noble, 
uh, in Milwaukee and Madison. So it is, uh, you know, Joel, you know, before we get into Purdue, uh, you're an assistant coach at Brookfield Central, uh, and, and you know this, uh, this the WIAA state playoffs uh, are concluding with the state championships coming up. Uh, this, uh, when you guys hear it, pro- this probably, it'll be Thursday, which is the day of. Uh, and uh, throughout two days, you have seven divisions, and there are some Wisconsin walk-on uh, commits, actually, that are playing, and that starts with uh, Division Six tomorrow, Regis versus Darlington. If you wonder if Darlington sounds familiar, that's former walk-on team captain, current Cincinnati Bengals receiver slash, slash returner, Alex Erickson's hometown, uh, and he was uh, amazing there as a dual-threat quarterback uh, for the Redbirds, but now Hunter Johnson, a running back, uh, you know, was named the Elroy Crazy Lakes Hirsch Award winner, uh, first team all state in the state's offensive player of the year by the WFCA. Uh, they take on uh, Regis, and, and, you know, I don't know how much you hear about it, but what have you heard? Have you heard anything about Johnson or even had a chance to watch maybe his huddle film or whatnot? No, I have not, but I saw the stats one game, and it was just they're not one game. At one point in the year, he had had like 90 carries and 30 touchdowns. So um, <laughs> he scored three times, touched the ball. It's pretty darn good. And, you know, going back to, you know, Jimmy's story, I mean, he plays in a small division, and people chalk it up to that. I'm guessing when he gets here, he's going to be the real dude. I mean, I don't care what division you're in. That takes some kind of athlete to score that many times and, and to put the – and I know there's not always great opponents, but I'm going to go with the uh, based on the based on how these use these stories usually unfold is that he's going to have another big chip on his shoulder from people telling him he played in such a small division, and then that's only going to fuel the fire. So I'm excited to see what he does in the state championship game, and we're excited to see what he does here at Wisconsin. Absolutely, and he actually even added, I mean he's had some interceptions too on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, just real quick, you know, some stats off of Wisports.net uh, with uh, your friend uh, Travis Wilson. Johnson, tw- 2,000 yards so far, 2,076 yards from what it looked like, 155 carries, uh, really impressive there. And he also threw a 27-yard touchdown pass uh, against St. Mary Springs in that 24-20 win to get him to state. Uh, there's also place kicker Colin Larsh, uh, another preferred walk-on commit from Mona Grove. They take on your rivals, Brookfield East. Uh, for the Division Two crown early Friday afternoon. And, uh, again, another in-state kid that first-team all-state selection earned the Kevin Stemke Award given to the best senior kicker or punter. Uh, for Brookfield East, it sounds familiar. It's because Alec James himself, uh, the current starting defensive end for the Wisconsin Badgers, played at Brookfield East uh, there. And then uh, last one, uh, Quarterback Danny Vandenboom, son of a he's a Wisconsin legacy. He will be a son of former Wisconsin safety Matt Vandenboom. Uh, you know, you know Kimberly, the papermakers. They're going for their 56th consecutive victory, fourth straight title, uh, and you know it's another. This is a broken record, right, Joel? Like first team All State, another award given from Wisports.net this time for Vandenboom, the Dave Craig Award, which is the state's most outstanding senior quarterback. Uh, 29 touchdown passes, almost 70% of his passes completed in, in this season. It's, uh, you know, you know this, where sometimes this state is underrated when it comes to prep talent, and these kids could, we don't know, we obviously, we obviously we're not going to put so much pressure on them, but knowing the tradition of the walk-ons here, uh, their opportunity comes. It just, it just, they are in a good place, and it just seems like, 
uh, Wisconsin, especially now with Paul Chris back as head coach, can develop the talents of these players with this coaching staff to to their fullest extent. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of kids that are coming in, and any kid from the state of Wisconsin, and, and maybe Kevin Lyles is the or Kevin Lyles, sorry, is the you know the exception. Obviously, he was played the majority of his high school ball in another place, but not taking anything away from him. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you have to find the best talent within your state, and that's what makes the program so unique. And um, you know, kids nowadays are turning turning down offers from much bigger places, you know, than they have in the past to come and walk on, and that may be because they're getting you know two years off and then three years promised to them, you, you don't really know the story, but you know they're going to get a chance to see the success of the kids that have come in recently and they know how important it is. And I think that's what the biggest thing is. You, know, you look at uh, the outside linebackers, you look at the you know, Leo Musso, you look at Alex Ingold, you, you know, there's all these guys that are just basically saying, hey, this is, the state is important to us, football is important to us here, and we can make an impact on a national level. So, uh, you know, come along for the ride. So it's exciting to see, and I'm excited to see their futures here at Wisconsin. You know, now jumping ahead, uh, you know, uh, we've usually a good time, uh, you know, time flies when you're having fun, and uh, we've, uh, we're going a little over what we thought we would today, but that's perfectly fine. Uh, we have, uh, we're going to preview Purdue real quick. Obviously, they're struggling on, on, you know, three and seven, one and six in conference. They fired Daryl Hazel after, uh, you know, just a horrendous start and just never fully took off uh, in terms of just uh, the vision there. Uh, but with just some notable games, we talked with Bobby about that 1998 game, jump around, trying to contain that Purdue offense uh, that, you know, like he, Bobby mentioned with a, a very pass happy. Uh, and we also referenced, you know, another notable game in the 2004 game. I had a chance to watch it on YouTube kind of on repeat for the past, you know, for a half hour when I got home from work from the day job. And Joel, you were on the sideline. What, what's the emotion that you see on the sideline, Kyle Orton making that naked bootleg uh, running for that first down and then the fumble and then the ensuing chaos of the touchdown. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't remember the play per se. I, the, the, honestly, the only thing I remember, I remember Sparky running the end zone or Rob Brooks, well, Rob Beasy, uh, you know, knocking the ball out and Sparky running in and and then just trying to remember, and I'm always a big picture guy. I'm always a, you know, panic button guy. So remembering that there is X amount of time on the clock. I mean, that play did not end it. And Coach Alvarez references this a couple of times. I remember him, you know, going to the spot on the field where he thought the kicker would have to be to, you know, attempt that last field goal with a decent chance. And he was there, staying on the sidelines, and then, the ball like got past that point and you're like, Oh God, you know, this is going to go from, uh, from chaos, you know, from amazing play to, you know, heartbreak in a minute. And, uh, obviously a kid didn't put it through the uprights and that locker room celebration was one I'll never forget. Um, it was, it was just, <laughs> it was, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, as well as memories you, you take with you and, I uh, appreciate it. But again, I remember the play because you're on the sidelines, obviously, not as good as the camera replays. Um, but again, persevering to that last final drive, defense has to go back on the field after all that emotion and then, you know, basically knuckle up to play the last drive. So, and uh, and we talked about this on Twitter today a little bit, but I referenced this with my uh, current principal, who was uh, actually uh, a principal in West Lafayette at the time. And, you know, the Purdue program has not been the same since that play. And, uh, that's evident by the statistics, and Daryl Hazel, from what I sounded like, was a great guy in the community, but 
you know, couldn't get the wins needed, and that's the nature of the game these days. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just real quick, we're going to try to do two on this. Uh, this podcast is also note just some of the walk-ons making impacts on the on the Boilermakers right now uh, on opposing teams. Not just to, it kind of shows you just how well Wisconsin and how deep the tradition is here. Uh, there are a couple of people, according to Hammer and uh, Rails, our uh, SB Nation cousins, cousins that cover the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, Travis Miller uh, had mentioned that Antonio Blackman, the uh, defensive back, had an interception against Minnesota earlier this year. But also uh, Jarrett Burgess and Malcolm Dotson play a lot of special teams. Burgess in particular is an interesting story, according to Miller, because he's a former pro baseball player that walked on last year after not playing football in about a decade. Uh, so that's, uh, that's that's an intriguing story right there. Uh, and, and, you know, you hear sometimes maybe players that are in the, the armed forces, I think there was, well, there's a Badger a few years back that, Played uh, in you know um, that was in the military and then came back and he was a little bit older and was a walk on on that note. Uh, it's it's really impressive just to see uh, you know players like that. It's you know former pro baseball player and, and a lot of walk ons for that matter. And Joel, you know this too, where they they play multiple sports. Ben Strickland mentioned it to me three years ago, talking about having those multi sport athletes gives them a competitive edge. Uh, but uh, you know it, obviously Purdue doesn't have the tradition Wisconsin has. Uh, on that note, but, uh, you know, look at this game, you know, we're going to go to our walk on to watch pick, uh, since we're running out of time a little bit, uh, you know, we're looking at obviously Purdue, one of the worst defenses in the nation, definitely the conference. They're giving up almost 250 yards on the ground. The one shining moment on their end, they, uh, lead the conference in passing, uh, Dakota Dixon, when I talked to him earlier today, mentioned uh, he praised uh, David Blau, the uh, um, sophomore quarterback, uh, has a big arm, can elude r- the pass rush here and there. Uh, but who is your, in your opinion, your the walk-on to watch pick for this week? Um, I got to go Conley. I mean, it, I think you know, with, even though it's slanted, you know, if you look at how the how the game has to unfold for Badgers to win. Um, you know, the defense has to, has to stop them because, obviously, they do have a, a pretty decent, a really good offense. Um, so, you know, Conley in the middle, you know, the hard part about spread offenses today and, and it's a little bit different than the spread offense that, um, you know, Joe Tiller had run out with a run and shoot more so um, was that, you know, a lot of these spread offenses are more run-based and um, trying to create one-on-one matchups. So, you know, Conley not only has to defend the inside pass game, um, but also has to be responsible for run. Um, you know, so I look for him to have a, uh, to be the guy that's going to be a difference maker from the walk-on front. And I'll go on my end. I'll go Daria Ogumbawale, 103 yards last week against Illinois. This Illinois, uh, this Purdue team has given up 250, almost 250 yards on the ground. Uh, I predict just with this rebuilt offensive line now where it's solidified, you have, uh, you know, Ryan Ramchick, walk-on, uh, left tackle, Dietzen at left guard, Michael Dieter center, Bo Benchwall at right guard, and now you have David Edwards, a converted tight end, converted prep quarterback, in at right tackle. You uh, That line was really impressive last week against Illinois, an overmatched Illinois team against an even more overmatched Purdue team, and with the conditions possibly being kind of crappy with some rain and cold, I, th- I think the rushing attack really – Takes it to the Boilermakers if they can hold, and if they can hold on to the ball, that's huge. I think 
I'm I'm gonna say bold prediction: three running backs get over 120 yards, uh, and that <laughs> that includes Ogunbowale. No, I'm being serious. Like I I, I mean I think Ogunbowale they'll they'll I, with Clement and just I mean there's so many injuries on Purdue's front. Uh, I think Ogunbowale goes for about 150. Uh, so uh, that's that's my bold prediction right there, man. Yeah, giddy up. Got to go big. Go big or go home. <laughs> All right. On that note, folks, we're going to wrap up the show. We have one more thing we want to talk about, uh, and it's it's something a little serious. It's something crazy, but, uh, you know, Joel and I, uh, you know, uh, I've covered the team now for a little bit, uh, and, we, you know, we, in, we interviewed Andrew Endicott, the current place kicker for the book. Uh, his full story wasn't on there uh, just due to the board count uh, and, and, and whatnot. But uh, we want to talk about just, you know, he struggled. He's 10 of 15 on the season, about 66%, uh, 67%. Uh, and he rebounded nicely from Illinois, but he did have some rough weeks. And uh, just from what we've heard, you know, Jeff Petrikas had the article talking about how he had to, how Endicott you know, heard from fans about uh, making, you know, saying to him to drink bleach, to do just stuff like that. You know, just really disheartening things about the kicker that's uncalled for. Uh, especially for a kid that uh, has put so much in the program uh, and, and for people to go behind their computers or their mobile phones and making these uh, really just, disp- I'll call it despicable uh, messages is, is really disheartening. And Joel wanted to talk about it. So, Joel, I'll give you the floor, my friend. Yeah, and uh, I wrote this in, I, write, I typically do better when I write something serious to write it out ahead of time to make sure it sounds good. So it, it sounds a little too wordy. Well, so it goes. Um, so, you know, I've heard recently, you know, that the quote, that comes with the job. Um, it's a line that, to me as a coach, is growing particularly frustrating. Um, you know, coaches and players are being criticized, berated, harassed about their play and decision-making. And instead of people coming to their defense, many re- people respond with, well, they knew that when they what they were getting into or that comes with the territory or that's just part of the job. And, you know, I'm probably not the first one to say it, but let me again reiterate, no, it isn't part of the job. And uh, Andrew Endicott, like Jake had mentioned, has fallen under some, you know, unnecessary and distasteful criticisms in recent weeks. You know, I took to Twitter the other week after a field goal that he missed against Northwestern because there appeared to be a flood of kicking coaches diagnosing the situation, criticizing the miss, and chastising the coaches for not having him ready for the and uh, I don't know where that is in the job description of being a college athlete and how that is perceived as being okay. Um, you know, Jake and I certainly understand the passion that people have for Badger football. Uh, they invest, you know, most of their fall Saturdays cheering on their team. And when things don't go as planned, frustration can certainly set in. Um, but before you take your frustration out on a player, uh, I kind of wrote down three things you may want to think about. Uh, number one, know how much he's invested. You know, the players work diligently all year round to hone their craft in the weight room, on the field, and in the film room. And unlike your hobby of watching the game, this is essentially what I've heard one coach term as a very low-paying full-time job on top of being a student. Um, you know, the player understands that all of his teammates are counting on him, regardless of the position he plays, and the pressure exists well before he steps on the field and would never intentionally do anything to mess them up or mess up their chances at a successful season. Um, the next point is even if they heard you, which they can't, and they took your opinion seriously, which they don't, would it help them in their future performance? Um, you know, we talk to our student-athletes a lot about their presence on social media 
and to imagine that every post they had would be broadcast on the Jumbotron at Camp Randall Stadium in the middle of a game um, because that's how public it may become. Um, and if you take that same thing as a fan, and if we were, if the players were to read your post during the middle of the game on the Jumbotron, would it inspire them to play better or would it destroy their confidence? And I think, you know, I think most people know the answer to that. And obviously that would do nothing to help the Badgers have a chance of win, which is the ultimate goal that most fans are cheering for. And then lastly is just because you can post something, should you post it? And, uh, you know, Coach Chris can call a Harold Mary every single play. Um, he has the ability to do that, but obviously it isn't best for the team. Uh, you have the right, you know, to post whatever it is that you want. Uh, but in the moment, you know, while it may make you feel better, in the long run it probably does more harm than good. So, you know, we understand all that comes with being a Badger football player. And, you know, these kids, they are kids. And uh, they're on, some of them are on scholarship, some are not. And they're doing the best job they possibly can. So, you know, please give them the, the it, at the very least, stay away from their family and people that they love. And, you know, if you feel the need, then, you know, maybe, well, maybe I won't say what I should say, but, you know, disrespect them. They're trying to do the best they can. They know their teammates are counting on them. Um, they want to do everything they can. They put in so much work, so many hours, and, you know, you owe them that respect uh, to probably keep uh, the negative things you have to say to yourself or offline um, because that does go on your permanent record as well, and people will notice that. On that note, that's uh, Jake and Joel's PSA for the hopefully the month. Uh, hopefully we don't have to say anything else about anything going forward on that note. Um, but yeah, uh, on that note, you know, next week we'll talk Minnesota. We'll talk ax week. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get some guests on. Uh, we, I think we can get at least one member of that special teams crew that blocked the 2005. That was part of the punt block team that, uh, 2005, that, uh, one of the greatest finishes in Wisconsin football history. And you were also on the sideline and, and trying to pull people back so that they would not get an excessive celebration penalty, if I'm not mistaken. Am I? Am I did, I did I read that right? Did I, did I remember that right? No. Yeah, I'll tell that story. That's a that's a good one. <laughs> we'll save that one for next week. <laughs> Check out Bucky's fifth quarter for all your news, notes, analysis. I won't be down there in West Lafayette. I will be there for uh, the Minnesota game next Saturday. Check out uh, our Twitter handles at Mr. Underscore Nellis, N-E-L-L-I-S. Uh, me at Coco B5Q. We're going to have some book signing information coming out in the next couple of weeks uh, about uh, some possibly some Milwaukee signings. So get out and uh, enjoy. Hopefully we'll see you there. And I'm sure you'll hear us on the radio. Hopefully, hopefully you hear us on the radio uh, in the next couple of weeks promoting those, those ventures. So uh, on behalf of Joel Nellis, it's Jay Kokorowski. You guys have a great week. Uh, stay warm this weekend, and we'll see you again on another another edition of Walk on Wisconsin. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com, and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. <sniffs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty. <sniffs> 
Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.